This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we have Deepa Akula on here, and she is the managing principal at JT Capital. And she's going to talk with us all about what they're doing here in Central Texas and going to tell us a little bit about asset management here, too. Hey, Deepa, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thank you so much for coming on. Most important question we ask here on the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast what is your favorite restaurant here in Austin? So I have to qualify that by saying I've only been to Austin once. Mm-hmm. And um, I dined at a Thai restaurant named Sway, and it was pretty good. So for the lack of any other data, I'm just going to go with Sway. Yeah, you picked a great one. That's actually an amazing restaurant in West Austin here. And it's probably the most popular Thai restaurant we have in town. Really? Oh, yeah. then my friends knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, really high quality. Good stuff. Nice. Yeah. Well, awesome, Deepa. Great choice there with Sway. Could really quick, can you tell our audience who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing? Absolutely. I'm a managing principal at JD Capital, and I'm part of the asset management and investor relations team. And I also concentrate on marketing and branding. Okay. Awesome. All very important roles. So. Sounds like you've got a lot going on. Um, Busy. Yeah. So I know we've talked to a couple other partners on your team, but I would love to just hear more about your perspective. How did you land on investing in Austin for your investments around here? So we have one asset in Austin, Mm -hmm. and we concentrate on Central Florida now. Uh, But Austin was on the radar because a couple of the partners at JT live in Austin. Mm-hmm. And I know Austin is just so hot, has been for the past decade. And we found a really great asset. And um, as soon as we closed on it, we knew it was a good asset to begin with. And it was um, in a good area where the median income was on the higher end. And after it closed, um, I believe Google had a plant right next to it. Mm-hmm. So the value really shot up after that. That's amazing. Yeah, I know there's just so many big companies moving into town here. And you can buy something around where something is either going in or where they're developing, usually can end up in good shape. Right. Deepa, I know you said you were working as a mechanical and aerospace engineer before. What attracted you to real estate investing? So my journey, the career trajectory to commercial real estate was mm-hmm. really very serendipitous. I started investing as an LP. And really liked the concept and just wanted to invest as a limited partner and liked it enough where um, I'm doing this full time now as a sponsor. Mm -hmm. Wow. So so, and that's like they tell you to do that a lot of times to say, hey, if you want to be a GP, start as an LP, but you don't meet so many people that actually ever make the leap. So you you liked the concepts enough that you just said, hey, I'm going to be a GP. How did you get connected with everybody at JT Capital? 
Oh, so my story with JT, I first got introduced to them as an LP. Mm-hmm. And I actually oh, cool. invested in that Austin deal. Oh. Yeah, that we spoke about. Mm-hmm. And um, I was an LP for a few years. And then there was an opportunity to be a co-GP. And that's kind of, it was really step by step. And I was a co-GP with them and worked on a few deals. And after that, they were like, hey, we are expanding. And would you like to join the team? And by this time, I knew everybody on the team. Mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of due diligence on them. And I went to due diligence uh, to Florida for different properties with the partners. And liked them enough where it was thought it was a good opportunity to join them. Hey, guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. That's cool. That's awesome to hear. You, again, you hear so many times people recommend following that path. But you actually did it, and you said it took you a few years. When was the first LP investment to the point that you became a GP just for, right. for context. Uh, so I started learning and my, I was already, I was working at a, at a, at a full-time job as an engineer mm-hmm. until 2021. And I started learning about syndications in 2017 and I had analysis paralysis and did my first, I'm an engineer right? mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, did my first LP deal in 2019. Okay. And two years from there, I believe, was my first GP deal. So it was two years from when I started learning to when I started investing to when I became a co-GP. Okay. And do you still have a yeah. full-time job too? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, so yeah. when did you, you said your first investment was 2019. When did you quit right. your full-time job? Right. In 2021. And oh. I actually did not quit. I was working as um, head of engineering mm-hmm. and there were mass layoffs and the whole engineering department was laid off. And it was a hard decision to not be in engineering anymore because I had a few good offers in hand at that time. Uh, I was calling clients saying, hey, we are shutting down the department. And they were like, oh, so are you available? And (laughs) I had like four offers telling people that we were shutting down. But by that time, I was a co-GP on about 800 units. Um, and sorry, I think it was an LP in 800, co-GP in 400, but it was still, you know, enough, uh, for, to give me a taste of how it is to be a co-GP. Mm-hmm. And I just had to make a decision. Do I go back to engineering or do I, you know, pivot into commercial real estate and join a sponsor? At that point, I was not even thinking about joining a sponsor. I just want to be a co-GP mm-hmm. and partner with good sponsors. And, um, that's kind of how it happened. That's amazing. So you really, you weren't, you were given a choice very easily. It said, Hey, you're laid off. Um, either you take the path to the right or the path to the left, your path to the left, you go into commercial real estate full-time path to the right. You go look for another job. I think the cool thing about that is, is you could always go back down the path right. to the left too. That <laughs> yes. it sounds like you have a great reputation working as an engineer. If for some reason you ever wanted a full-time job again, you can go get it very easily. Yes. And I am a licensed professional civil structural engineer. Mm. So there's a lot of demand for civil structural. And um, I don't ever 
see myself going back to engineering, but mm-hmm. you're right. If I wanted to, it'd be an easy switch. So it's interesting. I've met so many people in commercial real estate and specifically apartment syndication who are former engineers. Do you have any idea why that is or why do you think that is? <laughs> I do not know. So I can only speak for myself. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of people ask me, do you miss engineering? Because I did that for 14 years. Yeah. And um, for me, the part of engineering that I enjoyed was the numbers and the people. And real estate is not very different. Yeah. It's all about people and all about numbers. So I don't really miss it. It's kind of the same to me. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, because again, you go to these conferences, like these apartment syndication conferences or commercial real estate conferences, and everybody who's either an LP or a GP, I would say uh, half are engineers. Really? Well, that's good to know. (laughs) So many. There's one in Dallas, actually, in about a week and a half, maybe a week. It's called the Old Capital Conference. Oh, yes. Julie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, They... uh, so many engineers at the old capital conference and that that's probably my reference point for that because that's one of the first ones i went to and i met so many people there they were former engineers ah or no, currently maybe it's just engineers. the numbers yeah, yeah. Could be the yeah. numbers i'm sure it's easy as an engineer to look at the numbers and say wow this just really makes sense right <laughs> why would you yes. not do this right you know that's what that's i that's how I ended up with syndications. Mm-hmm. You know, I was looking for an investment vehicle for our own savings, me and my husband. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, something's got to make sense. And we were looking at um, single family residences. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the numbers on a syndication and I go, well, this just makes more sense. And there's so much redundancy with the tenants. You know, with single family, there is only one tenant. Mm-hmm. With multifamily, there's redundancy. Um, I do own single family rental, so mm-hmm. I'm not yeah, not single family rentals. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it just made sense. Yeah, no, I, I own both too myself. I have a have a, some single families, and then I'm invested passively in a couple syndications. Oh, nice. I don't own any commercial real estate uh, as a sole owner anymore, but. I, I see what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. And the really the only way I see to get that scale with single family is just to buy a ton of them. I think you right. can get it too, but you do run into the same operational inefficiencies of, you know, one house, one tenant, when you right. have 30 houses, 30 tenants for other reasons, you know, you do have the, if you get a little bit of vacancy, it's not as big of a deal, but they're all spread out. They might be right. built differently. It's just, it's a different game. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. Right, right. Every every house is different. Yeah. And yeah, with an apartment building, you know, with the asset, there may be like 18 buildings. And if yeah. you know one, you pretty much know every one of them because they were all built at the same time by the same builder. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. And the scale is so much easier to achieve. So I've got right. to say like we, uh, we buy houses, we, we're still buying houses. We'll continue to buy houses, but we buy houses that are exactly the same in this, this area where they built all exactly the same house. And that's why we do it. But at the same time to buy 50 houses, I have to buy one or two or three or four at a time. Right. And there's just right. no scale in it. It's not a good way to scale up quickly. It, it's right. It's cool. It works, but it's very slow and laborious and challenging. You're right. I read in a book uh, that said, you know, the difference between a, a smaller deal and a bigger deal is just the number of zeros, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit more work on the bigger deal, but the amount of work is not exponentially more. No. for a bigger deal compared to a smaller deal. So the first LP deal I invested in was a 76 unit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that is big. And then I read that it has to be at least 150 to get efficiencies, of, you know, economies of scale and mm-hmm. efficiencies that go with it. So I was like, oh, so that was really not big enough. It needed to go bigger. So yeah. I think it's easy, especially when somebody's newer, to not know that. I mean, 76 units, yeah, that sounds huge. And it's the same thing of a, if you bought one single family, a six unit or an eight unit sounds huge. But there's really right. no efficiency to buying eight and right. one. For, right. But you you got to get bigger. You got to get in the right. 100 plus or 150 plus. Right. I've heard from sponsors that they can get um, good efficiency starting at 80 units. Mm-hmm. But being an engineer, I want to double it for a safety factor. Um, yeah. So let's just say 150 units is where I feel comfortable. Yeah, no, I love that. I think there, there, there's so much of a risk. And I like you, you said for a safety factor, there's so much of a risk saying, hey, you know, I can get there if I just do this many. So let's say it's 80 units. But if you've got double that, you've got the capability to hire that many more people and have that many more redundancies and right. you know, that much better management and X, Y, Z. So, right. And the cash flow can support on-site teams, mm-hmm. so which is good for the residents, um, just the way they feel about the property, resident experience. Yeah, no, it's huge. And I think a lot of people who want to live in those communities, if you want to live in an apartment building, you typically want everything taken care of for you. Right. And if it's not big enough to support a good team, that makes it more difficult. The resident experience is not so good. And, you know, you've got more turnover and more capital expense and maintenance costs. Right, right. At JT, we go after institutional grade assets. So we want really good country service, um, really good leasing agents, uh, really good uh, maintenance technicians and maintenance managers. Mm -hmm. So we're going after providing luxury amenities. So we really need a good team. That's awesome. There's certainly always a market for that. Um, Deepa, what's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate investing, would you say? Biggest mistake? So I don't know if this applies to real estate investing, but just trying to do everything myself when mm-hmm. I first started, you know, I was like, just what happened when I tried to do everything myself is I just ended up fighting fires and not really doing the tasks that would actually ne- move the needle. Mm-hmm. And now I know we have a couple of VAs that help us out, live and learn, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So 
So was that on the uh, the GP side? Are you trying to do everything yourself? Yes. Okay. Yes, as a co-GP. Yeah. And no. As a yeah. No, I love that. I mean, I think that that's anything. If you're focusing on getting everything done, you can't focus on your one thing that makes a huge difference. Right, right. And what changed my mind was that um, I read a book. I think it was by Brian Tracy, Eat That Frog. Mm -hmm. Just do one thing at a time and do the thing that you dislike most first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Just get it done. Eat that frog. So I was like, okay, maybe I should do that. And uh, the other, you know, there's smaller tasks like coming up with, meeting requests and just putting schedule together, that kind of things, um, a VA can handle it much better than we actually can mm -hmm. because they're trained to do that kind of thing. So well, just and that's their one that. thing, you know, that's right. their thing rather than you <laughs> right. trying to do it and being sort of good at it, which I'm right. terrible at most of those things. You have somebody that specializes in that. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's Agreed. so important. That's a great book too. Um, <clears throat> Deepa, if you had to start over today, is there anything you'd do differently? So we didn't talk about when you bought your single family rentals. Did that come first? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I, we did not buy anything that as a rental. Mm -hmm. We just bought a house, lived in it, and then moved. Smart. And did, did not sell the house and just kept it as a rental. Mm -hmm. So, you know... Um, so we don't have any single family. I just have one house that mm -hmm. <laughs> is a rental by choice. I don't want to sell that house. So just holding on to it for now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I would have to start over, I think I would just work at a um, an institution, a big institution, like a PM company mm -hmm. to know the procedures, what are the best practices, because my career trajectory, the way I took it, I started as an LP, became a co-GP, and then now part of uh, JT, um, it would have been good to kind of learn the basics as what a PM, what a property management company does, you know, on-site, what mm -hmm. they do to help the residents. And uh, so that we can, as asset managers, help our community managers better, you know? If I knew how long it's going to take, now I know because I've been doing this for a while, but mm -hmm. in the very beginning, you know, it would have helped to know how long it takes to do a task. Mm -hmm. Just having that insider knowledge, I think that's so right. powerful. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, before delegating anything, um, I try to do it myself just to kind of see how long it takes. If not, you're completely dependent on on the VA to know how long a task takes. You know, well, yeah, you have no reference, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Well, so just smart. yeah, it's been good to have a reference, mm -hmm. but now you know, doing this for a few years, <laughs> you just learn by osmosis, mm -hmm. yeah. And I find a lot of times that, uh, maybe I move quickly compared to other people, so I don't expect things to be done as fast as I do them, but I know if it's not done in a longer period of time, like, hey, that's a simple process you only have to do this right. this and that and right. it can get done right yeah and deepa what are your long-term goals for real estate investing and where do you see your career going here jordan moorhead here really quickly wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us 
If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on. So uh, long-term goals, you know, at JT, we'd like to scale and acquire a lot of assets coming online, Mm -hmm. not particularly distressed assets, but we think that they're the buying season is going to um, open up again mm-hmm. because we haven't acquired an asset in the past 12 months. Oh yeah. And nothing that came across the desk made sense. It didn't pencil out. Mm-hmm. So we're just patiently waiting. So because um, of debt maturities, stuff like that. Yes. Yes. Because of that and the insurance cost and, you know, the sponsors that are selling right now, Mm-hmm. are the sponsors that have to sell. If you don't have to sell, I don't think there's anyone putting the properties out on the market. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. there is an opportunity, if we can add value, then we'll acquire assets. We're looking forward to acquiring more assets um, in the next few quarters. Okay. Yeah, I saw an interesting graph today and it showed where what what debt maturities were coming, what came in 2023. And it was mostly office, the the largest contingency or the largest tranche of this graph was office. But then it showed next year, 2024, and there was a lot of multifamily debt maturing when I think rates are still going to be pretty high and people are either going to have to sell or bring a bunch of extra capital to refinance. Right. We're already seeing that that some of the sponsors are having to have cash calls to refi. Yeah. So we're already seeing some of that happen already. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think there are going to be some good multifamily buying opportunities in the next year. And I'm no expert. It's just a graph I saw earlier. And I said, well, that's interesting. Right. (laughs) Put two and two together. Yeah. Yeah. If there's a bunch of debt maturing next year that let's say the minimum term on it was two, three years probably the more likely term was a five to 10 year term. So they bought that somewhere between three and 10 years ago. The debt matures next year when the rates are significantly higher than they were three to 10 years ago. Right. They're probably not going to be able to refinance or they're probably going to need to sell, fire sell or bring a bunch of extra capital to refinance. Right. Right. Agreed. So should be interesting. I, again, you know, we, Podcasting has taught me, podcasting and predictions have taught me that I will say stuff that I just couldn't believe couldn't be true. And then a year later, I'll look back at that podcast and say, I was out of my mind. That didn't make any sense. So (laughs) there's a great chance that I'm completely wrong for anybody listening. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Deepa, uh, do you have a favorite book that you like to recommend to people? So uh, my favorite book is Principles by Ray Dalio. Mm -hmm. I just finished reading it and he just did an amazing job of explaining how he built Bridgewater Associates. And um, what I liked the most was the radical transparency. So that's a great book for people to read out there to gain perspective. Yeah, he's he's amazing. He's such a smart guy. Um, I love principles. And he has another one. I want to say it's called Big Debt Cycles or Principles for Navigating Big Debt Cycles. 
Uh, I'm probably butchering the name, but if you enter something like that, you'll find it. It was really good. I just finished it too, but he amazing, amazing books. Principles was also one of my favorites. Uh, Deepa, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? LinkedIn is LinkedIn? the best way to get a hold of me. Yes. Uh, my full name is Deepa Reddiakula. And if you type that in, you should find me. All right. And we'll make sure that's in the show notes here too. Uh, Deepa, thank you so much for coming on here today. Again, I know we we had some scheduling issues, but I'm glad we could finally get it worked out and you know, the persistence paid off. <laughs> yes, thank you for having me on. It was such a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll talk here soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.